0: This is Believe in Georgia Dogs Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.
2: It's time to awaken an entire nation.
1: I'll be a dog till I die.
2: Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'm going to do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense going to turn up, but
1: the defense going to win us the game.
0: Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome in. It is uh, midweek here on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. It is Florida Week, Florida Hate Week, where all Georgia fans, all Dog Nation, if you are committed to the G, you are against the blue and orange uh, this week. It is uh, it is Florida Week for uh, for the Georgia team, and uh, like I said, this is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcasting network for professionals. I'm Corey Burton. Uh, joining me is uh, is my man Israel Troop, who just recently got into a Twitter war on Saturday. Israel, how you doing, man?
2: Man, I'm doing good, doing good. It was some great conversations on Twitter. Um, the great thing about the the whole deal was it was guys literally asking questions and wanting to know, you know. So it was just great, you know, dealing with guys that just want to learn about football and you know just seeing what's going on with Georgia football. So I really enjoyed it.
0: All right. Well, uh, yeah, it was a it was an interesting game, nonetheless. Uh, but our sponsors uh, were, were brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Uh, Israel. The NFL season, or really the football season, NFL and college, is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Uh, if I would have played a parlay, I probably would have lost. But I did go in all the picks that I made, and I published them on my Twitter account at CoachBurton36. Uh, I published them, and I went twelve and four. So, so not a bad deal. Uh, but from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. That never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take full advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, Israel. We're going to make some picks even outside the conference uh, er, uh, later in the week. So we will save that. This is, this is a tease. This is a, this is a, we're going to build some suspense, uh, but we're going to save that for later on in the week. So you can find the show at Believe in Dogs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can find Israel at Troopstar28 on Instagram and Twitter. You can find my personal Instagram at Corey. So uh, we're going to get into the show, man. So you know this game was uh, interesting to say the least, uh, not for the play on the field. Uh, mostly but you know for the for the quarterback controversy that it seems to be uh, starting and uh, for some of the uh, some of the injuries that have mounted on the defensive side of the ball we're going to te- we're going to really see how good this depth is Jordan Davis Richard LeCount Lewis scene are all out and I think Quay Walker is out as well uh, so that's going to be kind of a kind of a challenge for uh, for this defense but you know what was your main takeaway from the game Saturday at Kentucky
2: Man, it was a run-dominated game. Um, I love the way our offensive line came out. Those those five guys up front are just monsters up front. Um, I love the way uh, Trey Hill took over, making the calls up front, making sure the guys knew where they wanted, where they needed to go. Um, just the way we we pounded the football. Um, of course, you know, being an office coordinator, you love to see more throws. And I think me and Corey, Cor, you and I talked about it over text message. But, I mean, just the way that they just came out and physically dominated that football game in the trenches was absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's what needed to happen with that offensive line. They needed to get some confidence, and I think a lot of that was by design. And I think they, uh, I think Monken and Kirby didn't know if it was going to work like that, or they didn't expect it to work like that uh, for for as long as it did. So they did what any other coach would do. They stuck with it, right? Because they were just gashing mm-hmm. Kentucky left and right uh, with Zamir White, with uh, you know Kendall Milton, you know those guys, and James Cook. They were they were just they were just gashing them, and and so. Why not stay with it and why why try to mix in some passes if you don't have to? Uh, But you know I thought it was a great game plan. I you know I'm sure they had some some passes and some some throws up their sleeves and play action deals. But you know they didn't need them, and and that was a game they didn't need them. And and so you know you get a win, you get a good tough road win um, at Kentucky. That's not an easy place to play. Stoops is a great coach. They're a few pieces away from being a really good SEC East team, uh, but uh, they're not quite there yet. And uh, Joey Gatewood. Was uh, I mean, Georgia's defense will make any um, well will make a lot of quarterbacks look average. I wish they would have made Mac Jones look average, but that didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, you know, but what yeah. what do you make of Joey Gatewood?
2: I think he looked I think he looked like a fish out of water. You know, he he looked a little nervous at times, but he looked really good at sometimes too. Um, he he's a dynamic that Kentucky needs that that guy that can throw the football and run the football. So I think he's the quarterback of the future for them. Um, their running back impressed me a lot. I mean, the way that he was getting downfield and it was making people miss and getting those those third those third and twos, which we normally stop. You know, he was putting his head down and getting those two yards. and They were moving the chains against us uh, offensively for them. So I mean, I think Joey Gate was the quarterback of the future for the Kentucky Wildcats because he brings that extra dynamic of being able to throw the football. So now you got your RPOs and stuff that you that you can use um, that they use against Tennessee, and they're more they're more effective because now you have to realize, all right, Joey can actually throw the football. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not just throwing to a wide open guy that's standing on the 20-yard line. He, has, he can actually read defenses a little bit. He can hurt you with his legs, too. So um, I, I was impressed with, um, with how, he, how he managed the game and stuff like that. You know, but you can tell he, he's still nervous a little bit back there. But I think he'll get better as the season goes along.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I still think Kentucky has a bright future. I, I think they're they're trending in the right direction again. They just need to add a few more pieces, and and they're still they're still building, which is kind of scary. But uh, let's talk about quarterback play on the other side of the coin. Uh, you know, if you look at Georgia's performance, two turnovers, uh, two really bad turnovers. Really, one where he, you know, I, I, I guess he was trying to throw it out of bounds. I I don't buy that. But uh, and then there was another one where again he got another pass tipped and and picked off. It was a It was a very crucial situation where you're down in the red zone. You just reeled off two big chunk plays, one to uh, a play action to James Cook out of the backfield where he almost scored, and you you can't punch it in because, well, you make a lazy throw from a lazy arm slot. The ball gets tipped, picked off, and all that momentum that you could have had. I think if you score a touchdown there, Georgia wins by four touchdowns. Instead, they don't cover the spread. And yeah, it, I mean, it was,
2: it was really, oh man, oh, I mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but it was so weird to see that. Um, and you know, I text you, I said, that throw looks so lackadaisical, it, it's mm-hmm. not even funny. That one that, that was tipped, it was just like, yeah. oh well, I don't want to throw to him, so I'm just going to dump it. No, like you have to move, ste- if he steps up in the pocket and flings that ball to, I think it was uh, Kendall Milton that was over yeah. there in the flats, and I mean, that's a touchdown. No- Nobody's going to tackle him. No, you know, so. not at all. And then and then the, the second interception, I don't even blame that on him. Here, here's why I don't. Okay, so he – okay, he should have took the check down, all right? But he sees a guy running down the field, which he's throwing – he's trying to throw a back shoulder throw, but he overthrows it. The guy stops running. So, I mean, it's just a bad – just a bad deal all around um, for that one. So, I mean – you know, I, I, do, I do take that back. I do blame both of them for that one, the receiver and the quarterback. Quarterback should have checked it down. Receiver should have kept running on the second because he wasn't trying to throw that out of bounds. He was trying to throw that to the receiver that's going down the sideline. Yeah. I mean, you can clearly see that in the replay, you know. so I yeah,
0: mean, it was just a miscommunication there. And, you know, I think that was just the excuse to really take some of the heat off of it. And uh, But, I, you know, if you look at the film, you can't buy that.
2: No, no. I mean, it's just – I think, in my opinion, I think that throw was just a mystery. I think he thought he had it, you know. So he took the shot, which I, I'm not mad at the shot, but the receiver has to—he receiver had—they to, have to be on the same page. Um, and I think if that's uh, Burton, or if that's if or if that's Carries, or Carries Johnson, or or Pickens, you know, who was out this weekend, I think if that's one of them, that that's a catch. You know what I mean? So, um, just the young guys just got to get on the same page. Um, he's just—he can't turn the ball over. You know, that's the same thing that I deal with 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 our team here you know you just can't turn the ball over because when you turn the ball over it pushes your defense in bad spots and stuff like that too so um just just making momentum. better decisions oh oh mean we're what on the 20 19 20 yard line right there so we should at least four
0: I, I mean we're we're down near the 10 i mean we're 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 starting to be uh uh first and goal situation there uh and and you know you, you have a crucial turnover down there it's just, you, you got to come you got when, when you enter the red area you have to come away with points, you know, preferably yeah. six, but you know, you, you have to come away with at least three. Um, and you can't leave points out there against a good defense now, or against a good team. Now, luckily defense came ready to play, but let's, let's, let's just go, let's evaluate the quarterback play as a whole, because, uh, there was a whole, there was a story that, uh, or a rumor that was, uh, that started a kind of a, another Twitter thread, uh, that, that our show was tagged in the J boy show. Jake crane, mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, was passing along a rumor and and it still might be true. I I don't know. It's it's not true as of right now, but, you know, it's still, you know, somebody may have gotten to DeJuan, but there's rumors that DeJuan Mathis was going to enter the transfer portal. So it got me thinking about the quarterback situation. You know, are we doing the right thing? Is Stetson really the best option? Well, to me, if you look at JT Daniels, we know without a shadow of a doubt now, uh, because if you have five turnovers in two games, Kirby's not going to, Kirby's not going to stand for that and if JT was ready and available he would have gone to him so that leads me to believe that a Dewan is nowhere close to mentally ready and b uh Carson Beck is nowhere near ready in both categories so what, what do you make of the quarterback situation you know w- would you blame Dewan Mathis if he were to transfer uh are we making the right decision right now with Stetson Bennett you know what what's what's going on there
2: I mean I think it's the same deal right now um you know, with, uh, when Justin Fields left, but in a, in a different way, I think I thought Justin Fields was ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think the coaching staff thought he was ready to go. You know what I mean? So, but with DeWan, you know, he's coming off his, his surgery and I'm glad he's playing. Um, but I guess the coaches see something that we don't, um, with that situation as to why Stetson stayed in the way that he did with those five turnovers. Um, but I, Everybody keeps talking about, you know, Daniels, that Daniels, this, Daniels, that. But there's a reason why he's not in. We, we don't know it from the outside looking in. You know, all you can do is speculate. And I don't like speculating because it makes you look dumb sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, as of right now, I, I can't count on Daniel right now because I don't know what's going on with him. Um, I did see him throw a little bit um, during a commercial break. Um, they kind of showed him throwing. But there, there's something going on that we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you know, of course, we knew when Fields was there. We all knew that they're going to run the football. They're going to be conservative, and that's just how they were going to play. And Fromm was the guy to do that, you know. And that's why that's why Fields left. But I think with with Mathis, I think he needs to stay. And here's why: because next year, this year doesn't officially doesn't even count, right? You know. So next year, you know, you get this offense under your belt. You know, this is your first year back. You know, coming from you know. The uh, trauma that you had. So just stay, stay one more year, you know, learn what to do. So now you can go out there. All right. Well, if I'm the man now, I'm going to show you that I'm the man, yeah. you know, you go out, you go out there and take it, you know, I mean, I wouldn't count this year. Of course you want to play right now. I, I completely yeah, understand, everybody wants but to play. you're going to get a whole nother, you got this year scot-free. So I would learn what to do. I would keep doing my thing at practice. You know, once they call my name, I'm ready to go. But I would learn this year. So next when this next spring happens, I mean, it's balls to the wall. Like, you're going to have to take me off the field, you know, on the stretcher because I'm fixing to win this job. You know, same thing goes for Carson Beck, and I always mess his name up from Prince. How do you say his last name?
0: Brock Vandegrift.
2: Vandegrift, there you go. And Vandegrift, same thing goes for them too. You know, you come in, you learn what to do, and now you compete for that job right now. Like I said on Twitter the other day, I don't think anybody separate themselves from Stetson Ben as to why nobody else has been in. You know, you're you're an offensive coordinator like I am. If you're gonna put a backup guy in, then they have to know how to run that offense the same way that a starter would. You can't skip a beat. And right, right. now, it it shows just because Dames hadn't been in and Matt hadn't been in that they don't feel like they can run this offense the way that it should be ran. Now, given Stetson can't keep turning the ball over and playing as lackadaisical as, as he's doing, you know, these last two games, well, last quarter and a half, last game and a half, because I think he played pretty well in the first half against Alabama, but he can't keep going down this path. If he keep going down this path, they're eventually going to say, hey, you got to go, and then we're going to put the next guy in no matter, no matter the situation or yeah, no matter gotta, how, if they think he's ready it. or not. You have to, you have to move. You have, you have to do something if the play doesn't change.
0: Right. And, you know, I I think that you know, during the bye week, I imagine they did a lot of uh, good versus good, and I imagine they probably threw these quarterbacks to the fire just to see what they had in practice. And, you know, Kirby's notorious for ramping up competition during practice, even during game week. I mean, I imagine that, you know, he, he's going to test the waters with Dewan Mathis just to see what he has, just in case, because, you know, I, I think the leash on, on Stetson Bennett is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And it just, to me, it just seemed like, in the Kentucky game, it, it just seemed like Stetson came out and, and I don't feel like he could have cared any less if he was there or if he was, you know, at some party somewhere down in uh, – at some Halloween party down in Atlanta. I mean, <laughs> I, I just – I don't think he was all there. It didn't seem like he was all in like he normally is. and It just seemed like he was just kind of mentally checked out. Uh, because yeah, you, know, you know what it
2: looked like because they ran the ball 45 times. and You know, as a quarterback, you're, you want to throw the football – you know, you want to throw the football. You know, so if you're doing all you're doing is handling it all, handing it off and doing reads, all this stuff, you get tired. And you, your his body language showed really bad. That's the first time I've seen his body language just go into the tank. Even against Alabama in that second half, his body language was up, you know, and he, he, was, he was making his reads, making his throws and stuff, you know, just yeah. body language this Saturday. He just – he knew. I guess they already told him because he knew, all right, I'm going to just hand this ball off. Let me just get the snap and hand it off. And, all right, maybe I'll get a play action throw and I'll throw it here and there. And that tip pass looked like he could care less of where it was going.
0: Exactly. I mean, he he just it just seemed like he was out there uh, playing backyard football with his buddies, and and so you you know you just gotta. I don't know. I mean, something something's odd about the quarterback situation. It just doesn't just doesn't feel. It just feels weird almost.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when I was there, you know, we had Stafford, Cox, and Murray. You know, and those guys was always ready to play. You know, so I mean. It's just, it's just one of those things, you know. When David Green was there, Shockley, you know, uh, you know, those guys were ready to go at, at any time, at any point, yeah. you know. And coach, and coach Rick and coach Bobo, you know, all those guys had confidence that whoever they put in there can get the job done,
1: exactly. you know.
2: And right now, you can tell that. The coaching staff doesn't have a lot of confidence in whoever they put in, you know, to go in right now. And that's what it looks like to me from, a, from an outside guy looking in. That's what it looks like to me. And from a coaching standpoint, I completely understand because you don't want to skip a beat. You don't want to put a guy in there. Now, you, well, the first guy's turning the ball over. Then you put the second guy in. Now he turns the ball over. Or the offense doesn't run, you know, in sync like you wanted to. So, I mean, right now, you just, you got to stick with what you got, but Stetson has to get better. And here's a really thing that that makes me mad is those first couple games, you know, everybody was, oh, the mailman, oh, Stetson, oh, this, oh, that. These last two games, now they want to fire him.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, now I get it. Turnovers make you mad. You know, just as well as I Mm -hmm. do before that. When quarterback turns Mm -hmm. the ball over, you just want to go and throw a clipboard at him, you know. Especially the the turnovers that we've had because they're just so lackadaisical. They're just a bad throw, you know, misread. But – that same energy you had at the beginning of the season, you know, you can't go down on him because he's, he's had two bad games. Yes. You don't, you don't want him to have them, but I mean, like, what, what else do you want him to do? Now you're looking at Justin Fields and you're looking at Trevor Lawrence and all these other quarterbacks. You're like, man, I wish we had one of those. Well, we got a guy that's only lost one game against the top one of the, well, the top team in my opinion right now in football right now, you know? so. I don't understand what the world wants him to do. I get it that you you want you want us to get past that hump and win national championship, but he's managing the team like he's supposed to, take away the turnovers, and he delivers like he delivered those first couple games. And guess what? All that talk goes away.
0: Yeah, I think it's all PTSD with Justin Fields because people are you know. They don't want DeWan to transfer and go be a Heisman contender somewhere, or go, you know, go <laughs> succeed uh, Justin Justin Fields at, at Ohio State, where he was originally committed to. Which that would be kind of a scary thought. But um, I, I think people are just still feeling the sting, and they're 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 saying this is Jake Fromm 2.0, you know. I think there's been a lot of comparisons to Joe Cox as well, uh, in, in the '09 season. You you lived through that season. What was that season like as far as the quarterback position? Because he he kind of I felt like he kind of ebbed and flowed. I felt like he kind of struggled sometimes and had some great moments. Kind of you know kind of like what Stetson Bennett's doing.
2: Yeah, I mean we we lost so many people during that time. You know that senior group with Muhammad Massaqua and you know Kenneth Harris in the receiver room. You know we were still all young. You know Orson Charles came in as a freshman. Um, Aaron White, you know, new new tight end. Uh, you lose Chandler at tight end, you know, who's been there, who knows the system and stuff. You're basically dealing with a whole new offensive line. You lose Bubba Velasco, you know, who who's the staple in that offensive line, you know. Um, so, I mean, you lose so many people, you know, Chester, you know. You lose him and you lose so many guys up front. Now you're just trying to put guys together. Um, that hadn't played together yet, you know, and that's one thing about offensive line. If those guys don't gel and play together. You're going to have some struggles up front, and I think that was our biggest thing. We struggled up front a little bit, and, you know, we were just out men that year, um, had a bunch of young guys playing, um, so, you know, this, it's just how it is um, in the football world, but, you know, people don't understand that. You know, people don't see it from a player standpoint that's there, and you're busting your tail every single day.
1: Yeah, you know, coaches
2: put together game plans, you know, and, you know, it's up to to the players to go and execute the game plan. You know, coaches can draw it up and make it look pretty and stuff, but the kids have to go out there and execute. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that year was just—I mean, that, that was a rebuilding year for us. You know, it just just so happened that you know Joe's quarterback, and I think he did a great job. Hell, he threw me a touchdown, So you I'll go. never talk bad about just about <laughs> just—he's doing a great job at South Carolina right now. You know, he's getting those yeah. guys ready to play. So, um, you know, it's just. You know, it's just one of those things that everybody just calmed down. You know, does it look bad on paper? Yeah. You know, you don't want to see turnovers and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, those guys are busting their tails. And I will never go against a kid that's busting his tail every day. Um, And, you know, he's out there playing his butt off. And Now we want to go and, you know, crucify him, you know, for, for, uh, you know, a couple turnovers. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think he'll be fine. I really, I really do. Um, and if he's not fine, I think it's time for them to make that, make that change. But right now, and like, like we talked about Saturday right now, Stetson's the guy. So if he's going to be the guy, then he has to go and take that job and show that they leave no doubt that he is the guy. And it's time to show that on, on Saturday down in Jacksonville,
0: go and dominate the Gators. That's, you know, cause you know, Grantham's going to heat him up and you know, we'll, we'll get into a more extensive preview. Um, in a little bit, but you know, I think it's, you know, you just got to stay the course. And I think people, people are impatient. Coaches are patient, and and usually somewhere in the middle is where all the contention is. Fans want fans want coaches to fire quick. You know, oh he threw he threw a pick, yank him, uh, and, yeah. and that's and that's not realistic. I mean, coaches have got to be the most patient people on the planet. I know I am. I imagine you are as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to crucify my quarterback because he has a couple bad games. Is there a better option or is there something that we want to try? Yes. If it keeps going downhill, which I, you know, hopefully that, that trend is reversed. Cause I think it is heading downhill, but, um, you know, you gotta just, you gotta just have the patience to, to hang in there, work out the kinks and, and get him ready to play. Cause right now he is your best option. Good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. He is your best option. Exactly.
2: And watching and so, that game Saturday, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. No. Do you wish he had those two, those two back? Yes, you do. He goes 11 for 13 if he gets those two picks back. You yeah. know, so, I mean, he, was only, he only threw the ball 13 times. We ran the ball 45. So, what, what do you want him to do? <laughs> it was clear what we wanted to do. We wanted to establish a line of scrimmage. and We wanted to get out of there with as, as least injuries as, as we could. And that's exactly what they did, 45 times to throw the ball 13.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: what, and, do you, what, what do you want him to do?
0: Yeah, and so what's next for this coaching staff is they've got to figure out a way to get Stetson in some throwing windows, um, and I, I think they got to do a better job of that. Um, you know, too many batted balls. So, uh, you know, you, you got to do something slightly. I mean, I don't I'm not saying overhaul the offense and and become yeah. like a read option team. But, you know, I, I think it's you know, they, they've got to get a little bit more creative and how they move around the pocket. Maybe maybe it's just quarterback development where they they get his pocket awareness, uh, some more work. Maybe it's you know, you move the pocket more than you usually do. You know, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. May, maybe you teach him to drive back further from the line of scrimmage. I mean, he, you know, I, I think he can make all the short-to-intermediate throws. Uh, you know, you just got to do things that, that they're going to put him in uh, the best position to succeed uh, as, as a short quarterback.
2: Most definitely. And, most, and for most quarterbacks, you know, especially in his, you know, the middle of the field right is, is where he needs to be. Because if you watch, all the batted balls are coming from the outside. Defensive ends and linebackers are coming from the edge and batting everything down,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
2: So give him some crossing routes across the middle of the field. You know stuff like that. So now that arm angle is fine. You know, he's he's got three quarter arm angle, so that's fine. So he's got a cross route right or a mesh route right, coming across shallow anything. You know, that's boom, that's money. He can dink and dump in between. You know, the center and guard area. You know, between A and B gap. You know, just little things like that. You know, to try to help him because or deep balls. You know, where he's got to get that arm angle up. You know, even though he threw a pick. I mean, I I think that's a pretty good ball. You know. So I mean, just little stuff like that. And like you said, moving the pocket, little bootlegs here and there. Because, you know, against Auburn, I mean, shoot, he, he escaped the pocket. I mean, he threw that ball to Karius Johnson for a first down. So, I mean, I mean Karius Jackson for a first down. So, I mean, he can do it. You know, it's just the point of, all right, are you still shell sock from the Alabama game?
1: Yeah. You know, are, are you awesome. still
2: feeling it a little bit, you know, and are you going to get better? And right now, he has to get better. In order for Georgia and, all, and everybody to stop the noise, you know, he has to get better. And this weekend is a perfect weekend to do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think his chances are running out. So he's got to feel that back to the wall type pressure. So, um, but let's, let's hope he, you know, let's hope he does it and, and we'll, we'll see kind of, we'll, we'll look at some of the matchups he has with the receivers and and the Florida DBs. But let's talk defense. Uh, Richard LeCount, huge, huge news on, on that front. I uh, was involved in a motorcycle accident, a uh, dirt bike accident on Saturday evening. Uh, not sure uh, all of the details, but uh, he was, uh, he was, just recently released from the hospital um, and he is recovering. So that's really good news uh, in light of a, a, what was a very serious situation uh, where he was in ICU for a minute, uh, but now he's been released from the hospital and, and recovering. So um, let's get him in some pads, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh you know, you lose him. You lose Lewis. Seen so you lose your your top two uh, signal callers back on the in the secondary. You also Jordan Davis. His arms in a sling. Uh, you lose him. Uh, Julian Rochester is beat up. I don't know what his availability is at this moment. And also uh, Quay Walker was somebody that was. Uh, I, I want to say he was held out uh, precautionary wise uh, so that he can heal up. But uh, so you got quite a bit of injuries on on defense. We're going to see the depth. Now luckily he Kirby rotated a lot of guys and rotates a lot of guys currently. So we'll we'll see kind of where this depth is and and can you know what are they going to do to stop the Kyles? You know what you know what what's next?
2: I think you just I think this week is more fundamental, you know, get 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 your defense and getting the guys that you trust to go out there and getting them lined up. You know, keep, I think you keep it simple this week. Um mm-hmm. especially against against Florida, you know, you got to tackle, you got to tackle Tony I mean, he's, he's breaking tackles, five, six guys. You know, you've got to break down, you've got to tackle, and you've got to stop the cows. Um, I haven't seen them run the football enough to make me scared um, because yeah. our, our defense does stop the run very well. It's the four pass that we we tend to have trouble with. And right now you've got two guys I know for sure with Florida right now that we got to contend with. So and it's, it's quick just getting those, too. Yeah, and it's all quitting And then Tony makes thirteen guys miss. There's only eleven on the field, so he's juke thirteen. He's juke eleven players and two refs, and he scored a touchdown.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: so I mean, just just playing fundamental football now. You know, he he trask up. You know, get some pressure on him, and you know, and keep everything in front of you. If we keep everything in front of us, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, and Georgia comes out on top. But if not, they're able to get downfield like Alabama did, I think it's going to be a long night for the dogs.
0: Yeah, exactly, and so, you know, looking at Florida um, offensively, I mean that that's that's the recipe, and and I think you know uh, Trevion Grimes as well is a receiver that if you ignore him, he can make you pay. So I mean they're they're explosive on the perimeter, and they're they're going to take advantage of that. So um, you know you, you got to be ready for that. You got to be you know you're going to have to have some guys on an island uh, that they are going to step up huge. You know obviously Stokes is going to be matched up on Tony. We'll see how that goes. Um, just be a sure tackle. Just get the guy on the ground. I don't care if he gets an extra two yards. Just get the guy on the ground uh, because the more plays you make Florida run, the more chances they have of, you know, the more chances our defense has of, of creating pressure and creating havoc because Aziz Ozolari, if he's good at one thing, he's good at sacking Kyle Trask um, mm-hmm. as we saw in, in last year's game. So, you know.
2: Between him and Anderson, I mean, Anderson's coming off that thing with his head on fire off that edge. I know, oh, yeah. and I'm loving every bit of it, So. You know, that those guys, whether whether they're three down or whether they're they're four down this week, um, I think that it's gonna it's gonna be one in the trenches this week. I think if they can get yeah. pressure on Trash, which he hadn't really had a lot, um, except for the Texas A&M game. Um, I think if if we study the Texas A and M game and see what they did to kind of slow them down. And they, they didn't they didn't stop them per se, but they slowed them down enough to yeah. where, you know, they forced a couple punts. You know, and then as we saw, Texas then was able to go down and score against the defense. So I mean, I mean, it's just how do we slow down their offense with with our with our guys? And like you alluded to earlier, we rotate so many guys. I mean, we we shouldn't skip a beat, but it's just the point of making sure those new guys know exactly where to be and make the plays when when their when their number's called.
0: Yeah, it it was like how you de- used to defend the early two thousands Lakers. You know, with Kobe Mm -hmm. and and Shaq, you just just let Kobe do his thing, right? You you let Kobe go ahead and get his 40, 45 points, but you stop everybody else, right? So you you focus on uh, letting Kobe score, right? Putting Shaq on the free throw line, and then shutting down and and pressuring all of their uh, role players, which is, you know, with somebody like Kyle Pitts, who nobody's covered him yet, Uh, even, what, six games into the season, no one's covered him yet. Uh, the only and, and not even COVID can cover him. Uh, so, I you know it, it's one of those things where you just let him you know get his hundred yards and his two touchdowns and you shut everybody else down and you tackle everybody else. You make them work. You you put pressure on Kyle Trask. You you hit Kyle Trask. You knock him down. Um and and you just you just get after it. Stop the run, which is not not overly difficult with this bunch, and and you just you know just understand that hey we're we're going to give up a few to Kyle Pitts and that that's okay. We can do that. Texas A&M said that's okay. We're going to give up a few to Kyle Pitts and but we're going to win this game by pressuring the other guys and that's that's exactly what they did and they found crucial moments to do so and and that's kind of how they were able to win that game uh, offensively they, I felt like they did a good job, especially in the second half of keeping the ball away from Florida. I thought Isaiah Spiller was a huge integral part of that of that game uh, in College Station, where they got the run game going and they were able to get chunk plays. They were able to get four, five, six yards of carry, and then some of those carries would break into 12, 15 yard gains. And then, you know, those big chunk plays are very demoralizing. And so, if you can get a few of those, keep keep the Kyles off the field because they, they can't score from the sideline. I, and yeah. Unless there's some new rules, Israel, they can't score from the sideline.
2: So, no, they cannot.
0: That's the game plan, right? I think that's, they did a good job
2: Florida. of Most definitely. I think they did a good job of, you know, Florida was going three down. And they did a good job of running counter um, when they had it. They did a good job of running mm-hmm. zone. Um, and then they come back in here with an RPO. Um, I mean, because Florida was giving up the slant routes from inside receivers and outside receivers all night. You know, and Kelly Mom was hitting them in stride. Yeah. You know, getting, getting, getting first downs, like you said, keeping that offense off the field. Um, so, you just they basically just took what the defense gave them, and they made them pay for it. I think yeah, that's take what we got to do.
0: Yeah, take advantage of overactive, overaggressive linebackers. Which
2: yes, because you, know you know what Grantham's going to do. You know, he's got a call sheet just like an offensive coordinator. He's got a big call sheet, so he knows exactly what he's going to do in situations, two formations, and stuff like that. So, now it's just about outsmarting them. You know, and Coach Munkin's been in this game a long time. So, I mean, I'm sure he's got him pegged mm-hmm. um, to a T. So, it's just what, are they, what do they do to these formations? How, how, does, how does he blitz? What front are you going to get? How do they slant stuff like that? Once you got that down, now you can pick and choose what plays you want to run to those formations um, and to that defense. So, now it makes it easy for Stetson or whoever's a playing quarterback, all right, to, to efficiently move the ball down the field and keep Florida's offense off the field.
0: Exactly. And and so that's, that's the key, man. You hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it, it's obvious you're an offensive coordinator uh, given that <laughs> breakdown. Um, yeah, you just got to take it, you know, you got to find, you know, search out personnel too. You know, not just uh, schemes and fronts and coverages and blitzes, but you got to find personnel as well. You got to find who are they blitzing. Right? Who who is the main guy that's coming? Who is you know who is the guy that's going to be over over aggressive on the run? Who which of the safeties is going to be the guy that can't flip his hips and turn? What you know who is who is bad at, at these certain cuts? So so we know we're going to get you know let's just let's just give an example. We know we're going to get quarters behind this uh this this stunt where you send the defensive end to the B gap and and the and the Mike mm-hmm. around to the to the C. You know, yep. let's just say let's just say we get that stunt, and we get quarters coverage. Well, what which safety is is going to come off his come out of his uh, quarter? Which which corner can't sustain his backpedal and can't sustain his zone? Which you know where where are the soft spots? And and you got to figure out and, and pick on certain personnel because you can pick on certain personnel in zone just just as easily as you can do in, in man. So. Uh, you just got to find that stuff and you got to find those matchups because there's going to be matchups that exist and there's going to be holes, especially gaping in the middle of the field. I mean, you can leak J- James Cook out uh, and just shoot him right at the middle of the formation and you might have a big play on your hands. So, you know, it's, it's just it's just all about diagnosing the, the total package of that and understanding what Grantham wants to do and who he wants to, how he wants to attack you and, and who he wants to attack you with. So, you know, if you, if you get definitely. all that figured out. You know you're going to come away pretty successful offensively.
2: And I mean, you look at the play that Cager scored on last year. I mean, he's butt naked on a shallow route. Well, I got a shallow wheel around the corner. They ran a post um, with the outside guy, and I mean, he just came across and he's butt naked, just wide open over there, and he scores a touchdown right there. So it's just like you said, what safety can I pick on? Right when they blitzed and they did, and they sent the blitz on that one. Which safety can I pick on? And how do i do I know what he's gonna do, and what route can I get him to do it with? you know, so you know you know they're gonna blitz, and like you said, they're gonna send they're gonna stunt B and send one and send one C, so you know offensive line has they got to play with their eyes and they can't get confused and it's gonna be a lot of backs picking up blitzes too, you know um so I mean you just gotta protection has to be great, and i mean and we just gotta deliver the mail you know um and and that and that's really it um. I don't think Florida, Florida. doesn't scare me. You know, it's not the days of when they had uh, Brandon Spikes and uh, Major Wright and all those guys on the back end. They look as normal as normal can get on defense. So it's a point of like you said, picking your matchups, knowing what they're going to do in situation. You know, on third down, they're going to send six. It's automatic. That's what that's what he does. You know, now if he doesn't send six, you know they're going to play zone behind it. I hadn't watched enough Florida, but I I, I know Coach Coach Graham enough to know that. You know, so, you know, they're going to play zone behind it. So, how do we pick apart these zones Um, just like we did against Auburn? That's what we did against Auburn. We picked apart the zone. They want to play zone, so we picked apart. The when they come and play man, now we go over the top. So, it's just different stuff like that, and especially from an offensive coordinator standpoint of picking your matchups, what are they going to do, how are we going to pick it up, and now getting the ball out of your quarterback's hand as fast as possible and letting your guys work. Because we got enough athletes to make some things shake um, on offense. So, just getting the ball out of his hands, and no turnovers no turnovers
0: none you you, you got to take care of it you got to take care of the rock and and he's got to play with a with an energy that he had in the first half of the Alabama game and the two games prior to that and and just he's got to be the spark cuz right now this offense is without a leader. I mean, there's there's not really a guy that's going to come in and step up and bring that energy. Zamir is a Zamir is a lead by example guy. He's not a rah rah guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's not a guy that's going to be high on energy. He he's going to work hard. He's going to get his tough yards. He's going to hit his holes and he's going to make some exciting plays. But he's not the guy that's going to bring the juice uh, in, into the huddle. Whether he's a rah rah guy or just kind of you know just kind of energy guy, he's not that. James Cook is not that. George Pickens mm-hmm. could be that. But he's not right now. And then you have a bunch yeah. of young guys who aren't sure where they fit as far as yeah. leadership goes. So you need somebody to come in there and step it up. And 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 where Georgia was good in that in the second half of the Arkansas game, the Auburn game and the Tennessee game, and partially in the Alabama game, especially when, you know, in the second quarter when things were getting kinda rough and they needed they needed that spark, they needed that jolt. Stetson Bennett was that guy. He was the he was mm-hmm. the guy that he a calmed everybody down, and then B got them focused, and then C the energy levels up. Guys were playing hard. Guys were running routes hard. Guys were reaching for balls that they normally wouldn't. They were they were diving for balls they wouldn't normally dive for. But you know they they just play hard for Stetson. You know, and and he's mm-hmm. got he's got a a little bit of an it factor that maybe the other two guys don't have as well. And, and he brings juice to the to the offense. And when he doesn't bring juice to the offense, it is glaringly obvious because there is no one else right now. That brings the juice, and so you, you got to have someone else. And I would love to see someone else on that offense step up and just kind of be that. And it doesn't have to be very. It doesn't have to be demonstrative. It doesn't have to be some guy yelling at everybody. It's just got to be somebody that's going to play with 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 tempo, with pace, with aggression, with that chip on the shoulder. And it's got to be somebody that's going to put the be willing to put the team on their back and do something that they don't want to do or that they're uncomfortable doing, and and excel at that. And and doing something that's going to help the team win this game because it's going to take something like that. It's going to take some guy that doesn't normally block on the perimeter to block on the perimeter. You know, it may take Most that definitely. And you know, it, watch, watch,
2: our guys block on the perimeter is, is is beautiful. I think those guys they, they weren't upset. You know, they they could have easily gone to tank him like, oh, we're going to run here's another run and play. But those guys did their job. Okay, yeah. so now and now that you allude to leadership and taking over the game, I think that leadership has to come from the offensive line. Yeah. You gotta think those heavy bellies do not get the credit that they deserve. <laughs> heavy you bullies. know, so that's what I, that's what I call my guys. I call them heavy bellies. And then all right, so like you said, leadership. That's come all right, guys, listen, if I'm going out here and blocking my tail off up front, y'all gotta do your job, you know. And I think that comes from Trey Hill, that comes from Ben Cleveland, you know, that comes from those guys up front that doing their job and you know, we, we we've gotta take the game over. You know, yeah. and um, you know, I just remember being, you know, Bub Alaska, who's who was the center. And he was the scene when I was there, and he that's what that's what he did. You know, he made sure that all the calls were made. He made sure that tempo was great. You know, and he took over the game, and then everybody kind of followed after that. You know, um, you know, who was fun was still, to watch. Was still a sophomore. You know, you know so was that fun that's to watch? what he did. Who's yeah. that? David Andrews. Yes,
0: he brought yes. the juice.
2: He did. You, I still remember him. I, th- was, I think it was against Auburn. Uh, when Gurley or somebody's scoring, you see him just just fist-pumping all the way down the field. You know, he's so – he's excited. Yeah. You know, and that, that's, what, that's what we're missing. If you watch the Kentucky game, although they did a great job up front, they, the excitement factor is not there. You know, I think, that, I think the Alabama game kind of took it out of them because, like, dang, we lost to them again. We were winning. You yeah. know, so now you got to flush that. All right? Now we're going, we're going to the largest cocktail party in all of America. You know the game that everybody wants to see is this one. So now you bring that same excitement that Andrews had. I'm talking about your fist pumping down the field. I'm talking about you're you're getting it going. And I think that comes from offensive line. You know they're doing a great yeah. job up front. And if you want a leader, you know you're not going to walk up to Ben Cleveland and, and look at him and be like you're not doing it. You're not going to point at him and do that. No, because <laughs> look at him yeah. <laughs> six <laughs> six seven over three hundred pounds. You're not going to go up there and just talk him in any kind of way. No. So for him, it's like, hey guys, let's go to work. You you get the most out of those guys, and it's, and he's a senior. So I mean, you know, it's guys like that that's gonna have to take this game over. You know, sometimes not always a skill guy. You know, we we got a lot of no name, we got a lot of no name guys. You know, quote unquote. You know, on the offensive side of the ball. So now those guys up front take over the game, mm-hmm. take it over, bring some leadership, fist pump, pancakes, everything. You know, and then you just watch, watch everybody follow you. Watch the dom. If you dominate. In those trenches up front, you're getting that crowd hype, you're getting your players hype. Watch those guys follow you.
0: Exactly. I mean, look at the Titans. Okay, let's let's take a look at the Tennessee Titans last year. The the run that they made. They started the season before they pulled Mariota. I think they were one and four mm-hmm. to start the season. I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was the same old Titans. The Titans have been pretty bad for a long time. Uh, it was like between two thousand eight. And I think they had like one playoff year, but for the most part, they were they were always a top ten uh, draft picker. And so, th- you know, it, it was off to the same old Titans. It was boring. There was no energy. The offensive line was just kind of uh, the the backs were like uh, the receivers were same. I mean, there was just no excitement, no it, no no creativity, no it no imagination, none of that stuff. No, it was just it just seemed like it was no fun. No, no one, not one soul was having fun. All right, in steps for Abel. And you start to see some of the energy get put back into the building, right? And then I think it was Derek Henry. You know, you bring in Taylor Long, you bring in Ben Jones, two very highly uh emotional guys. Two
2: Yes. <laughs> th- th- those
0: guys bring the juice, right? And so you just watch. You you just watch those guys, uh, and and they started having fun. They started chirping. They started having fun with each other. They you know they bonded during the the Nashville Predators playoff run where they all uh, you know had the catfish and they they drank they drank beer. They they would chug the beer and you know spike the catfish and you know all that stuff mm-hmm. and you know that's a, that's a thing up here in Nashville. But you know they bonded and and they had I mean you watch the Titans offensive line. And they genuinely have fun out there, and and that's yes, that's kind of what sparked it. Then Derrick Henry started picking up on that. Then then you see Derrick Henry start. You know, Derrick Henry was a was a mediocre back right before he exploded in like week five last year, last season. Mm-hmm. Right, he he was. People were fixing to call him bust, right? Because he mm-hmm. was just a big back that tippy-toed through there and would go down on first contact. Now he's a, now he's a beast, right? Yes, um, he is. And it's just all because. He got this. He got this swag about him. He he started. Ha- I, I think it's just the energy of the offensive line started feeding off on him. Right then he started having fun. Okay, so then what happens? Well, Tannehill, who everyone was writing him off, he came in as a backup. Right, he signed a one-year deal, came in as a backup last year. Okay, you know the Tannehill story, right? Um, yes. He comes in. He starts lighting it up now. Okay, so Derek Henry's lighting it up now. Play-action passes opening up. Well, now you got a tight end situation. John Johnu Smith, who's a, who's a brand new player. I think he was a. I think he was technically a second year guy, but you know he didn't really get a whole lot of playing time as rookie year, so he was, he was essentially an extended rookie um, as, at tight end, and Delaney Walker was, was injured. Now he starts making some catches. Now he starts getting some juice, and when he gets some juice, now he starts blocking in the run game, because it's fun, right? And Definitely. then you, then you get A.J. Brown, sensational rookie. He's probably like Julio Jones Light. Uh, with some mm-hmm. of the plays that he makes uh, out of Ole Miss, he starts getting some juice. Now that carries over into this year. Now Corey Davis, who was who was a bust, is now resurrecting his career as a Titan. And then you get some guys like Adam Humphreys and you know uh, Khalif Raymond, who no one's ever heard of, uh, mm-hmm. and they start getting some juice. And what happens when you get some juice? You go on the road in the playoffs and, and beat the New England Patriots, the number one overall or not, no, not the number one overall seed, but. Uh, I think they were the number two seed behind the behind the Chiefs, uh, the Ravens. Uh, you go on the road to beat those two teams, and then you go on the road to Kansas City, and you make it you make it tight uh, yes, for you a half. Get all they
2: wanted, they wanted yeah. all they gave them all they wanted that first yeah.
0: half, boy. And it was it was a it was a dog fight, and then Kansas City does what Kansas City does. They, they <laughs> pulled away. So the 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 point of all of that is real is. Juice, right? If you can make you can make running the ball fun, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can the energy you have after a big chunk play. I mean, I you know I wouldn't care if they you know if they celebrated getting first downs. I you know I, I like when they're excited. I like when they yank the back up and are like you know smacking them on the head and you know ha- just having fun. You know jumping around and you know celebrating like the skill guys would. You know, and I, I think exactly. that that's that element is missing on that offensive side of the ball. And I think when you have that, it's great. And that's why those teams with with Boss Andrews, you know, Velasco making all the making all the stuff, you know, Ben Jones, when he was playing, you know, I think when uh, that first year that my freshman year uh, when I was working as a recruiting assistant, you know, you you see some of these interactions and you see Kevin Love and John Stinchcomb and. You know, those guys, Max Jean Gillis making, making an impact on, on the offensive line. Those guys were just genuinely having fun. They were riding around on their scooters like the skill guys were. And and they were kind of, you know, not taking themselves too seriously. And they were just having fun. They're like, hey, I'm playing football. You know, this sport, I get to hit somebody every play and not have to go to jail for it. You know, exactly. what, better, what better sport is there to get out your aggression than football, well, Actually, UFC would probably be the best at, at getting out your aggression <laughs> and not going to jail. But, um, you know, we're not in UFC. We're talking about football. So, it's it's the best team sport for, for that purpose. And so, you got to have the juice, right? You, you got to have the juice. You, the, the receivers have got to celebrate with the linemen, the linemen, with the receivers and backs. And, you know, you, you just got to make this whole thing go. And I think there was no energy at Kentucky and that's why I was only 14-3 to three, and it was just kind of like, okay, well let's just beat them and get out of yeah. here. And, all right, it, let's looked, go it looked
2: okay. like they literally just rode out of bed and said, all right, guys, let's go play football. And you can't... And um, I had a guy on Twitter He said, well, that we, we blame it on early kickoffs. You don't get to choose what, what time to kick off. You know, you got to be ready to play.
0: If you have juice you have, you juice, you have juice. It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, exactly. If you play at 11 a.m., then you got to be ready to play at 11 a.m. You know, you, you got to get up, put, brush your teeth, everything, get ready to go. Once you get to the Phyllis game time, you know, and like you alluded to, you know, when there's, there's nothing better for an offense than you watching your offensive line just dominate and dominate. At practice now, uh, with my high school team right now, when we get a pancake at practice, I mean, our, our, our offense is, ah, you know, everybody's so excited, you know, and that, that makes the whole practice go better. When your offensive linemen are just going through the motions, they're all sluggish. And that makes practice sluggish, you know. And that's kind of what it looked like Saturday. It's just like, well, I know we can beat them, so we're just going to mash these guys. and go. No, that, every time that we got a first down, it should have been, ah, you know, excitement going on. You know, and I didn't see that Saturday. I, I, I know for a fact that I'll see that uh, this, this coming Saturday. I mean, because it's Florida. But, you know, you got to have that every single game, no matter what time it is, no matter if you're playing in the parking lot on asphalt. You know, it's a yeah. football game. And you gotta be ready to go no matter what, because you win or lose by the scroll on that scoreboard. When that clock hits zero, you better be on the upper end of it.
0: Yeah. And and going back on that point, you you know why those offensive line blocked hard in twenty seventeen? You know why Isaiah Wynn dominated his guy? Because he wanted to go do the, you know, the the dirty dancing lift uh with Nick <laughs> Chubb. Or they wanted exactly. to see Sony throw his jazz hands, you know? They got excited for that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know why those D linemen went went nuts? So they could see Roquan go make a highlight-worthy play. Or, you know, the, the defensive tackles and the linebackers did their job so that Davin Bellamy or uh, Lorenzo Carter could go make a sack in a crucial situation at Notre Dame when, when you needed it and you're up by one and they're driving and you need a huge play. You know, Juice is what ha- was what made that happen. You know? Yes. Terry Godwin elevating to make that one-handed catch. Elevated. That game. I mean, it was it was kind of a dreary game, and then when that happened, all the momentum came in Georgia's favor, and Jake Fromm was able to finally relax in that game and 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 mm-hmm. get the job done. And the running game picked up. The offensive lineman blocked a little bit harder. The defense played even harder, which was I didn't think was possible, but um, you know you just got guys playing above their heads, and when you can get that, you can be a dangerous team. You don't have to be the superiorly talented team. I think exactly. there was there was no energy at Alabama, which is why I think Alabama was able to to come back. I mean, you see those guys; they're having fun over there, right? They're, oh you yeah, know, and and they're not being demonstratively and disrespectful about it. They're just genuinely having fun, which is what it's just all you can ask of your guys. They're they're not taunting, they're not talking. All, I mean, I'm sure they're talking, but I'm sure they're talking a whole bunch of crap. But you know, I, I think you know they're not. It's not disrespectful. It's not like you know. Junior Rose Green knocks out Reggie Brown and he's barking in his face as he's laying motionless type deal. Yeah, It's not, you know, it's not like dirty, you know, we hate these people. It's just fun, competitive football and Alabama is genuinely, ha- and I never thought I'd say this about an Alabama team. Um, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm also on the same token not surprised, Uh, but like a Nick Saban team having fun, you know, you, you never thought that was possible because of the reputation that he has, but it, it's actually quite the opposite. You know, those guys have a lot of fun. So I think if Kirby kind of relaxes a little bit um, and maybe just allow some of this juice, we might see a totally different team. And so I, I think you just got to find it. You just got to find the juice. That's, that's the whole point. Yeah, of. I think
2: that's it. Just, just find out what you guys do well, you know, and sell every every small thing you do, you know, do well. You know, if if our guys come out and their pants look, look well, and they're supposed to. They got on all their pads, you know. We celebrate. We're like, "Hey, great job! You guys came out here. You are ready to go?" You know, we sh- we show up on time. You know, everybody's out. Everybody's moving around. We celebrate that. You know, little little things like that to kind of get them going. You know, I think that second half just took it out of our guys because you know, like I said, you go to the national championship game, you go to that C championship game. Like we're that close to beating Alabama, it just doesn't happen. So that just kind of clipped the wings of our guys. Um, so I think we just got to get back to like you said, those first three games. Or they they looked like they were having fun, you know. You got your two D linemen going down there to celebrate another D lineman scoring a touchdown, you know. Even though Kirby went down there because, of course, they got a penalty. You don't want a penalty, of course, but I mean they were genuinely excited about doing that, you know. I think that's just what we got to get back to doing—just everybody being excited, being smart, but also just being excited about playing football, playing Georgia football the way it's supposed to be playing, being dominant the way that Georgia can be. And I think if we get back to that Saturday. It's gonna be it's gonna be great to see.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I think a good title of this episode is "is Find the Juice, right? Yeah, I see um, it. Find the Juice. You know, I, I think some titles just naturally, organically, uh, you know, bring themselves to, to light. And I think this would be a good one, Bring the Juice. Um, so yeah. uh, that being said, uh, that's what we got to do. We got to bring the juice. But uh, was there any games over the weekend that, you know, we're not going to go game by game because we're, you know, we spent so much time bringing the juice. Uh, we're not going to go game by game. But is there a game that really stood out to you? Uh, Man, this past that,
2: weekend. the Auburn LSU game really hurt my soul. Watching that, I thought LSU was going to come out. You know, after riding that high, you know, I thought they kind of bounced back against South Carolina and they laid a huge goose egg um, against um, Auburn. So I'm, I'm interested to see what's going on over there. You know, Coach O said, you know, they they're evaluating everything every day. Um, I think. You know, I, I don't know what's going on with Bo Pelini. I don't know if he'll be there next year. But to me, it just looked like those guys just don't know what to do.
0: I don't know if he'll be uh, there next week. I mean, those guys yeah, just I, aren't playing hard for him. And they, he, You know, we talk about you – know, we just went on that whole long rant about Juice. I mean, I think everything's negative over there on that side of the ball because he's kind of a negative person
2: yeah I mean, you just look at him his face just looks negative with that nose and everything, so you know <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just one of those things where you know they got to find the juice, you know, and Auburn found theirs, you know, and we said it we said if if they get stomped, if Auburn gets stomped, um Malzon's gone, well, guess what they didn't, you know and they they finally found it on offense, you know they just the hitting stomping. his receivers they're they're wide open, you know, Swartz and seth we, i mean those guys showed up and showed out,
1: mm-hmm. you know
2: I mean, so. That game really surprised me. It it didn't surprise me that Auburn won, you know, but it did surprise me the in the fashion in which they won. They completely dominated that game.
0: I mean,
2: in the first couple of series, they had what, three turnovers? Yeah. In the first half or something like that. And they yeah, scored they, they on every scored single off, one of them. Yeah.
0: And one of them was a pick six that got called out. So technically it was an offensive touchdown, but they scored on three turnovers.
2: You know, so, I mean, the defense basically took over and said, offense, don't worry about it. And then once the offense picked up, you could tell the juice in that stadium and from those players just kind of picked up. And I think that's what you got to do. You can wreak, wreak havoc, create havoc. You know, and that and that's you go back to the old Georgia, that that junkyard dog mentality, you know, with Thomas Davis and Greg Blue and oh, yeah. David Pollock and all yeah. those guys, I'm you just see juice, the man. havoc. You see the havoc that those those guys created. And what that do? David, the David Greens and the Reggie Browns and the Terrence, those guys fed off of that on offense. You exactly. know, so once once everything starts clicking and one side gets going, you know, it also provides momentum for the other side. And you just watch everything just kind of fall in place like it's supposed to, right. and everybody's going to be quiet and we're going to go out here and dominate and we're going to go see Alabama in the, in the uh, SEC championship game.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, I was. I was thoroughly impressed with what Auburn was able to put together. I was thoroughly disappointed in what LSU was unable to put together. So that was that was a game that you know that stood out to me. I was like, it, it was you know it was kind of close. Not I mean not really, but it was kind of close at halftime. I go for a walk and I come back and it's forty two to nothing, and I'm like, what the,
1: what
0: the heck is <laughs> going one on that, here?
2: Another one that had me had me shook was the Arkansas Texas a and game. You know yeah. uh, we I you know I always talk about how physical Arkansas are, and which we they were. But Texas A&M was more physical than Arkansas. They came out, and, I mean, just watching them run counter is absolutely beautiful. I mean, just watching those guard, that guard in the of the pool, and, I mean, yeah. they're just mashing everybody down. And, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. Watching Kellen Mond just go out there and just do what he, what he what we've been predicting him to do, you know, For he's starting to time. do that now. Yeah. You know, and Dembo Fisher looks like he's having fun, you know.
0: Um, his and, and glasses and are flying everywhere. Yeah,
2: he's playing yeah, to expectation now. They're playing like they wanted the team to play when they hired him. You know, that, that big seven mil a year, you know, is finally starting to show with that team. And I mean, they're, they're clicking right now. I don't, I don't think anybody wants to play Tech saying them right now because they're clicking on all cylinders right now.
1: Exactly.
0: You know,
2: so um, just watching them just out physical, a like physical Arkansas team really surprised me.
0: Yeah. And, and Arkansas, you know, normally would have folded in that situation and probably got probably got a 60-burger put on them. But they they hung in there, they took the shots, and they, they even counter-punched a little bit uh, there in the fourth quarter. They, and they did. made it a game, and, and they actually covered the spread, which mm-hmm. in those situations where a team has a lot of momentum, like Texas A&M gained um, a lot of momentum throughout the course of the, you know, late in the first half and early in the second half, they they gained a lot of momentum, and normally, te- normally Arkansas – would have folded. You know, the the lesser teams fold in that scenario, but you saw the resolve that Arkansas had. And I was just as impressed with Arkansas in a loss as I was in Texas A&M in a win. I I thought that was a tremendous game. I wish I could have watched it on my big screen, but we had about 150 trick-or-treaters, so we just stayed out in the driveway (laughs) uh, because we had to just – I'd have been doing air squats, basically. You know, my butt touches the couch, and I got to go right back to the door to, to do it. So we just stayed out in the we just stayed out in the driveway, and I watched it on my phone mm-hmm. and, and watched. And Huck just chilled in the driveway and and played with this light up balloon for like an hour. You know, he threw it back and forth in the, in the driveway. Um, he had his uh, Mickey Mouse clubhouse on his iPad out there, and we took him we took him down the street to to trick or treat a few houses to practice. And but for the most part, we were you know we were in the driveway. So I was watching that game. A lot, and I was just impressed with the punch counter punch early in the game. A and M took over, and then Arkansas counter punched late to make it interesting. Uh, but I, I was impressed with both teams, honestly.
2: I was too. I mean, that's a great that's a great game, and I'm interested to see how, how Texas A and finishes the season, and I'm interested to see if Arkansas keeps climbing that ladder because I think they're they're about a year or two away from being really, 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 good. really good. Yeah. So I and, think they keep kind of climbing that ladder, and they finish up the season strong. I think Arkansas is going to be a force to be reckoned with over there in the West. The
0: the power dynamic in the West is, is starting to shift. I mean, I, you're starting to see a climb the ladder. You're starting to see Auburn come back to the pack. You're starting to see uh, LSU head tw- head under the ladder. Uh, Arkansas is on the rise. Ole Miss is inconsistent, but you can see they're they're doing some good things here and there. Um, they had a record breaking day uh, at Vanderbilt, which. Vanderbilt's a different story. They're just pitiful. Um, Mississippi State is pitiful. Now, uh, one of the games I'm uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to scoreboard watching is uh, the Vanderbilt Mississippi State game this week, week ten. Uh, they're playing at State. This is the Futility Bowl. This will be for last place uh, in the uh, in the conference. Uh, whichever team wins uh, will go one and nine, and the other team will go zero and ten. So uh, that that'll be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds. Does Pirate kind of get some things going? against Vanderbilt. Does does Derek Mason finally, uh, I, I think they're starting to see some of that fake juice that he's bringing. I think they're starting to kind of catch mm-hmm. on to that. And I, I don't think they're responding uh, as well as they did in the beginning of his tenure. So things are getting dicey for uh, for Vanderbilt. A&M plays South Carolina this week. We'll, we'll get into more extensive previews of these games uh, in a later episode when we make our picks. But a uh, and going to look to keep the ball rolling against South Carolina, who's who's getting better offensively, still needs to find some answers defensively, uh, and they still need to find some consistency there. Uh, Arkansas is going to get a chance to prove that they're not a fluke. Uh, they're going to go up against Tennessee, who's still a really good team that's struggling mightily. Uh, that game's almost a pick em. And, of course, Georgia-Florida. Uh, that game is always uh, – Always good and always exciting. Uh, that'll be the two thirty CBS game. So, uh, only four games in conference this week uh, to uh, to watch and keep an eye on. But four interesting matchups just for the implications that they have.
2: Most definitely, and I can't wait to watch every single one of those. Um, and the pack, they, um, the pack, pack, twelve. That's it. Pack yeah, twelve. Pack twelve off this week too. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be a good weekend for football. Who wins that? whew, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I got to do some a little bit more research on that one first. I'll, I'll do it before the next episode. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, so we'll we'll look at some uh, we'll look at some early uh, early odds on on Pac twelve uh, champions and stuff like that. So uh, divisional champions and, and uh, conference champions. So we'll we'll take a look at some of the Pac twelve odds there um, as well. Uh, you know, Big Ten is Big Ten is is rolling right along. Justin Fields. Uh, you know, at this point what does he have, you know, what does he have left to prove? Um you know, just do it consistently, right?
2: That's it. I mean, he's going out there. They're, he's got the team on his back right now and they're they're playing hard, they're playing very well. So, um uh, right now just just keep riding that wave, baby. Keep riding that wave, keep getting better every week. I think Ohio State's go Ohio State wants revenge for that Clemson game from last year and they're playing like it right now, so um yeah. they they look real good and um you know, and, and Michigan. They, I don't think they have to worry about Michigan after that debacle against Michigan Ooh, State boy. either. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and the, I know we'll talk about that, and I know talk, we're gonna definitely get into that one too. But
0: yeah, talk about um, a weird conference.
2: I think Ohio State's the team to beat. I think um, it's up to them on if they want to lose or not. So, because I mean, Justin Fields is playing at a high level. He's making throws. He's making he's making throws that you know NFL QBs, you know, the Rodgers and them, are making so. I mean, he looks real good right now, and he looks comfortable right there, too. I think Coach Day is doing a great job with him.
0: Yeah, and and in any other year, he, he's playing like a number one overall pick, but he just happens to be in the same draft class as, as uh, Trevor Lawrence. So um, <laughs> and that'll be a debate we have closer to draft time, whether or not Trevor Lawrence should, should come out if the Jets are picking number one. So we'll have that discussion way down the road. But, um, you know, they play – Clemson plays Notre Dame. They're going to be without Lawrence again. D.J. Ongolele, I think is how you say his name. I've been calling him DJ Ukulele or whatever. Um, he he bounced back. He he got off to got off to a rough start against BC, but I think he bounced back. Uh, it helps when you have Travis Etienne uh, doing what he does, breaking all sorts of ACC records for touchdowns and yardage. So uh, Clemson just looks to be on a roll. Uh, doesn't matter who you throw in there at quarterback. It, it, it seems that they're going to play at a high level. I mean, DJ was a uh, they call him the big the big Cinco. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 the big cinco, well, I think was the number one. He was definitely a number one quarterback in California. I don't know if he was the number one in his signing class, uh, but he was definitely close to it. Uh, but extremely talented kid. Uh, you know, obviously freshman made some freshman mistakes, and that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got a tough test against Notre Dame this uh, this weekend. So looking forward to that one.
2: That's gonna be that. That's that's the telltale tale Because I I was watching. I was flipping back and forth between uh, the Georgia game and the Clemson game and Boston College went up 28, ten wait twenty eight to ten or something like that twenty yeah. thirteen something like. That. I was like, what in yeah. the world? I yeah. said, I know Britt Vittables is about to destroy somebody at halftime. I knew it was coming. Well,
0: one of those touchdowns was a ninety nine yard fumble recovery.
2: Yeah, and I was like, ooh boy, what is going on here, sir? Um, yeah. they, you know, they bounce back as Clemson does. You know, they go in and I don't know what, what they give them at halftime, but they come out and they, they dominate the second half and put up a big goose egg. So, um, you know, that, that matchup, especially not having Trevor Lawrence um, as your quarterback going into that game against uh, Notre Dame is going to be a great one because Notre Dame, you know, now, now you have a chance to beat Clemson, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, now, now your odds of beating them has gone up uh, tremendously. Now you so just going to be, it's going to be exactly, it's going to, it's going to come down to, like I say all the time, like I tell our guys, it comes down to execution. You know, you have a chance. If you execute, you win. If you don't, then you lose. And I think this is a prime opportunity for Coach Kelly to get over that hump and to finally beat a top tier team um, in the Clemson Tigers. So it's going to be a good game to watch on Saturday.
0: Now I'm gonna make a proposal here, which probably won't, you know, since BYU is an independent. I think that for the champion for the American Conference Championship game, I think they should just put BYU in that game and have it uh, be a uh, playoff college football playoff play-in game uh, between Cincinnati and BYU. Because you talk about two programs that I think could make some noise in the playoffs. Now I don't think they're gonna. I don't think ultimately they they would beat Clemson or Alabama or or even you know whoever would be the third team, but or Ohio State probably. Um, but I would love to see either one of those squads uh, get in the playoff and get a shot to see what they can do uh, against the top competition in college football because there's two programs right there that are played at an extremely high level, especially Zach Wilson and the BYU Cougs.
2: Most definitely. I was listening to the uh, the uh, ranking show last night, and that's what they thought. They talked about BYU, and they talked about the Cincinnati defense. Um and like we said, that juice, that offense from Cincinnati is feeding off that defense doing so mm-hmm. well. Um, so that's going to be a dang, that's going to be a dang good game. Like you say, if it if they did happen to shake up that way, Notre Dame, Notre Dame wins out, and Cincinnati wins out, and they have a playing game, I think that would be a dang good game between those two programs.
0: Yeah, and they, and they should. Um, I mean, it won't happen, but yeah, you know, I, I would love to see what they could do in the playoffs because they could they could make they could make life difficult for somebody. Um, and, and I think that would be fun to see. And I, I think they deserve it. I think they deserve a shot. It's not because, I, you know, you feel sorry for the group of five, but, you know, they they deserve a shot. You know, they, they've they played just as well as anybody. And, and you know, BYU seven and 0 and they're just dominating who's on their schedule. So that would be fun to see. But uh, Israel, it's about that time. Got to wrap up. Um, you know, we're, we, we've, we've looked back. We've brought the juice. And uh, so – Let's uh let's look forward to next week, uh or this coming week, I should say. Not next week, but this coming week. Uh we'll we'll do some more extensive previews in our next episode uh with the uh with the college football stuff going uh and uh the, the SEC matchups and, and we'll we'll actually even dive out of the conference since there's only four SEC games. We'll dive out of the conference and make a few picks for some of the games of the week as well. So any last words, any final thoughts? No, no,
2: nothing for me. You know, today's my birthday, so
0: Ah good... happy birthday. How old hey, are you, mama's, I'm 32. 32. Wow. Okay.
2: 32. So mom, Mama's cooking tonight. So, um, you know, it's going it's going to be a great day, and looking forward to a great region matchup this this coming Friday for our Valiant football team. Um, get back on the winning track. Um, and then, like I said, you know, you never know how to shake up. Right now, we win the last three. We win the region. So, you know, one game at a time, maybe one game at a time. So we've had two great days of practice. I mean, our guys have come out, and they've been fired up, and they're ready to go. They realize what's in front of them. Um,
1: exactly.
0: So, um,
2: you know, just looking forward to this week and looking forward to Saturday and watching some great football games.
0: Well, absolutely, man. I can't wait. So uh want to wish you a happy birthday. Now you're really making the naming of the show uh, difficult with, with it being your birthday and, and the fact that we had a long discussion about bringing the juice. Um, but for Israel uh, and his 32nd birthday – Uh, I'm Corey Burton. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks to our sponsor, betonline.ag. If you want to join them and sponsor the show, by all means, get in touch with us. We will definitely accommodate you in that regard. Follow us at Believe in Dogs, uh, at TroopStar28, at CoachBurton36, and at Burton.Corey on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find us anywhere you find your podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us, rate us, review us, uh, subscribe, most importantly. And, and, and let's, uh, let's build the uh, Believe in Georgia Dogs Nation. So uh, for Israel, I'm Corey Burton. I want to wish you, uh, wanna wish you a, a happy birthday. Hope it's a great one. Hope you have a great Wednesday. And uh, with that being said, as always, go dogs.
2: Go dogs. Everybody be safe.
1: This is the story of the one.